The Money Podcast with your hosts, Justin Harrison and David Bester. Money, 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 money. Let's talk about money. A car is a money draining machine that erodes your wealth over time. In this episode, we are going to discuss cars and finances and how it ties in with your overall finances in general and what you can do to save more money in the end of the day. Justin, I know you've got a smile on your face because, well, you are, first of all, a petrol head and we are discussing something that is very controversial today, you know, cars and it being a liability. But it feels so good, Darby. It feels so good. <laughs> How can Which something that feels me. this good be a liability? <laughs> so this leads me to the question, why do people spend so much money on cars? Well, the first one you already answered, it's, it feels so good. But what are the others? Well, look, I think a lot of people have that little ego problem. And, uh, you know, that little ego determines what we buy. And generally something shiny with four wheels makes that ego feel a little bit better. And so especially in the South African context, but I think this is a problem the world over, a car is very much a part of our identity. You know, beyond simply the practicality of taking us from point A to point B, uh, it is very much a part of our identity. It is a representation of who we are in every sense of the word. And, um, you know, there's very few people in this world who buy cars purely for practical reasons. The car companies know this, their marketing is geared accordingly. And so we are made to believe in every sense of the word that the purchase of that shiny new car with those very nice wheels on, the Napa leather seats is going to really make us feel better about ourselves. And to some degree, it probably does. Um, I was laughing during the intro because as you know, I've owned somewhere around 50 cars already and I am obsessive about cars. I love cars, not sports cars, funny enough. I've never been a sports car fan. I love big four by fours, big trucks. I, I just, it's a little boy in me who's just never going to go away. But at the same time, I also do agree with the fact that, you know, a car is other than your home, it's one of the big liabilities that you're going to buy in your life. It is a permanent and consistent outflow of money. And of course, there are exceptions where vehicles actually do make people money. But then even in that case, I mean, when you take into consideration the cost of running and all of these aspects, it just is a money pit. Cars are a money pit. And, uh, you know, I think there's a big emotional attachment to vehicles that if you're trying to get your money right, you're ultimately going to have to separate yourself emotionally from it. South Africa is very difficult. People here, and I know the US, for example, is also like this. The car is everything. Yes, look, it's easy for me to sit here and talk about this, but I've fallen prey to this as well in the past. So when I was about 23, I bought that Mercedes. You remember that, right? Yep. And I loved the car. I really, I really loved the car, but I hated the way people looked at me. Obviously, I was young. I was 23 years old. And... I just couldn't take it that every time I got into my hometown, people asked me, wait, what do you do for a living? You must be doing well, right? So how could I do that? I just hated it. And I sold the Mercedes. Funny enough, I actually bought myself a 4x4, which was more expensive than the, than the Mercedes. But all of a sudden, I didn't get those questions anymore, which was awesome. But I hate buying a car. I absolutely hate it because I know how much it depreciates. And I'm not a petrol head like you. So I don't appreciate cars as much as you do, obviously. I just love going into a car showroom. One of the happiest days for me other than going and picking up a new car from the showroom is when I go to service my car and I go to tires on all the cars that are new in the showroom. I just love a new car. I cannot help it. 
So let's discuss the depreciation factor because I think very few people actually realize that, right? And this comes down to a car being a money trading machine like I opened up uh, this episode with. So I know that a normal car depreciates by about 15 to 20%. Now we are going to get all the Toyota fans coming saying, listen here, Toyotas don't depreciate that much. But in general, a car depreciates by about 15 to 20%. And that's not even if it's new. Now, I think you know the stats better than me when it comes to new cars. So I actually run a spreadsheet every year when I buy a new car. And yes, you heard that right. Consistently over 20 years of my life, I've been buying new cars almost every single year. With one exception, there's a car that I owned for a couple of years until it got stolen. My trusty steed, my Jeep Wrangler. No advertising credits here for Jeep, but I got to tell you, um, one of the best vehicles I've ever owned. And by the way, they, when you start looking at the depreciation stats, it's super interesting because people think that Toyota does really well. Actually, Toyota's midway down the list in terms of depreciation. You'll be very, very surprised to learn the cars that depreciate the least. Right near the top of that list is Subaru. A lot of the other Japanese vehicles, incidentally, are also pretty high up on the list. And then obviously your Chinese manufacturers are generally lower down on the list. Although I must tell you, some of them are surprising us. But generally speaking, the statistic is your vehicle will depreciate immediately between the order of 15 and 36%, depending on the brand, depending on the support network around the vehicle, uh, depending on the strength of the dealership in the country. Your car, the moment you drive it off the showroom floor, even if you don't even put one kilometer on it, the moment it goes into your name, that vehicle will depreciate somewhere in the range of 15 to 36%. And that is absolutely scary. It is just, it is, it, I mean, and here's the other problem, Darby. People are taking out car repayments on these vehicles. So they don't necessarily see the depreciation. They see the car repayment and they basically see it as a lease in many terms, but they don't really realize just how drastically it is eroding their wealth over the long term. Yes, look, so you say that you buy a car every single year, but I think we need to put that in context as well. You know, you can afford it. You don't take out any loans on your cars to make these payments. It doesn't have a, a financial effect on you. Whereas with a lot of most people actually that I know, it costs them anything between 10 and 20% of their total take home pay at the end of the day. And that is where the big issue lie, you know, because there is an opportunity cost. And I think we need to touch on this opportunity cost because well, yes, you're losing about, what, 15 to 20% uh, per year on your car, but what could have you have done with this, with this money? I mean, you could have invested it for 15%. That makes you actually double because now you're not losing the 15% anymore. You're also gaining another 15% on top of that, which is actually then a 30%. Well, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. And, you know, I go back to when I was much younger and starting out. Obviously, my vehicle purchases were a lot more logical because I was confined to what I could spend and, you know, what the choices were. And uh, for me, the choice always came down to if I'm going to spend X amount on a car repayment every month or I'm going to spend X amount on buying a vehicle cash. If I put that money into an investment, ultimately, it's going to return for me. And one day the goal is to have enough money working for me. So I don't have to work for money. So ultimately, I can buy whatever damn car I want. And you know, there were early sacrifices to get there. Unfortunately, most people in the world are just not going to get to that point. So you need to understand the loss of opportunity. The loss of opportunity for me is even more important than the actual depreciation. The, the depreciation is compounded by that loss of opportunity. So in the early days, I was very, very logical about my vehicle purchases. Now I'm like a kid in a candy shop. And uh, I will admit, 
it's 85% uh, emotion and about probably about 3.2% logic. But the reality of the situation is I've earned myself into that position. For most people though, they have to really sit down and if it is the difference between driving a vehicle that costs you 8,000 Rand a month to, you know, to operate versus a vehicle that maybe costs you 4,000 Rand a month to operate, but it still does fundamentally the same thing for you. You gotta realize that there's 4,000 Rand a month that you could do something with in terms of investing, creating savings, paying down debt, and that's where people need to start thinking. I think you can only really service your ego when you can afford to service your ego. And that's the problem. Most people are servicing the ego with money they haven't yet earned. And so people walk into a car dealership uh, and commit you know, half a million, a million bucks to a vehicle on money that they haven't even earned yet. And then on top of that, like you said, compounding it with the loss of opportunity. And this is how wealth gets eroded. Yes, I think it's important to remember that cars uh, is a it's a method of transport, you know. But most most people see it these days as a status symbol instead. So it's a very a very a very costly status symbol, I might add. So let's close off this this episode with how much should a person spend then on a car? Because obviously, like most people, just can't afford cars these days. It is very expensive. I do realize that and. If you have got a family, you also want them to be safe, of course, right? So you have at least want something decent, something reliable, but you obviously have to look at what can you afford. You need to look at the logical position. So what, is, what percentage would you say is a logical percentage for a person who is still in his uh, money-making years, you know, building up wealth? What percentage should he be spending on a car then? I think the answer will shock people and probably make people feel very uncomfortable. But my personal opinion on the matter, really having done the numbers deeply, nobody should be spending more than 5% of what they earn. And then people turn around and argue and say, I can't buy anything for 5%, you know, what am I gonna buy? And then the answer is very simply, well, the truth is you can't afford what you're looking to buy. And uh, you either need to earn more, you need to figure out another plan. And that is the reality of it, Davi. That is the simple fact of the matter. I don't believe anyone should be spending more than 5% of their available income. And I need to be very clear when I say this available income. I'm talking about not pre-tax income, I'm talking about post-tax income. Post-tax, oh, you should not be spending more than 5% towards your vehicle. And if you are, that is guaranteed that you're adding on 10 to 15 years to your ultimate financial plan to get to, to get to a point where you're financially free. And that is if you ever get there, because the chances are, if you're spending more than 5%, you've already put yourself in a cycle that is gonna be exceptionally hard to break. Yes, yeah, so I think to close this off, it's important to remember that a car doesn't generate your wealth. A car erodes your wealth over time. It loses about 15 to 20% of its of its value every single year. So make sure that whatever you buy, you buy on logic, like Justin said, make sure you can actually afford it instead of overextending yourself. Like Justin also said, his advice is to only spend about 5% of your after-tax pay on a car. But don't see it as a status symbol, see it as a method of transport to get from point A to point B, and obviously you wanna increase wealth as you go along and not erode your wealth. You've been listening to The Money Podcast. To get access to our future episodes, please subscribe to our podcast via your podcast app. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel, Global Money Academy.